0: Thank you for choosing to listen to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. Each of these messages were given by various faculty, staff, and friends of Emmaus Bible College. To view each series as a whole or for more information about similar Emmaus ministries, please visit concerninghim.com. Welcome back to our listeners as we continue our discussion in chapter 1, verses 9 through 15. Temptation and wealth. As we've been talking about wealth, and the proper perspective and use of our wealth, and not worshipping our wealth at the expense of loving God and loving others. Let's explore a little bit more in terms of what Jesus himself taught. Jesus himself taught that we can't serve both God and wealth. He says in Matthew 6 verse 24, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other you cannot serve god and money there isn't much room for fancy interpretation here what jesus says is exactly what he means jesus is very clear that when we give wealth godlike power over us in our lives that we will worship that above god he says that we simply cannot worship two gods and have it be okay with god that we will love one and despise or hate and resent the other because both of them are unequivocally incompatible. They're opposites. Each has entirely different motives and values. The worship of one will result in life, joy, peace, and eternal reward. The worship of the other will result in destruction, greed, abuse of others, and discontentment. Both God and the love of money are directly opposed to one another. God commands selfless love and care, for others, the high demand of the gospel compel us to regard, respect, and serve others as well as live generously for the sake of representing him through his gospel. The God of wealth demands self-centeredness, fulfilling our own desires and finding purpose and identity in what we can acquire through our wealth that simply won't last. This leads to selfishness, materialism, and valuing things above people even those, as we've said, who are in the family of Christ. These two things are incompatible. God will not share his glory with anyone or anything else. Furthermore, James states in verse 9 that believers in humble circumstances ought to take pride in their high position. That's the NIV. In other words, those who aren't abundantly wealthy by the world standards have an invaluable wealth in their staying with Christ. For further study in Jesus' teaching, I would encourage you to refer to the rich young ruler in Mark 10 and Matthew 19. Simple, fundamental questions to ask in these texts might be as follows. Why is the rich young ruler saddened? What did Jesus understand about following God and holding on to wealth? What was the young man missing even though he had faithfully followed all of the commandments that dealt with other humans? Wow! Wow! This topic should hit right at home for us as Western Christians. We are a people of abundance and wealth. Even the poor among us are still much wealthier and better off than the vast majority of the rest of the population on planet Earth. Are we tested through our wealth? Are we tested through our abundance and opportunity in our national context? How do we respond to wealth in a free market-driven, capitalistic-focused economy and society? Do we find security in our wealth? Do we pursue earthly treasures over heavenly ones? Do we allow the lure of material things to shape our identity over the new creation of Christ that he has raised up in us upon our baptism in his Holy Spirit? Do our bank accounts, cars, clothes, houses, or possessions ever embolden us with the thought that we are more significant, influential, and entitled above those with less? Have we accepted this in today's Western church as Americans without challenging and exercising others to obey God in this area? If we can't value one another and treat one another rightly, how are we going to value the lost? If we worship our wealth over God, then how are we going to display the character and nature of him to a suffering and broken world? Are we too comfortable in our wealth resulting in a false security that leads to a half-hearted commitment and effort in following Christ and having true joy in Christ? This is the great warning and test that James exposes to his readers and is telling us as modern Western Christians. We modern Christians should carefully weigh what we do with and how we use our resources like our time, talent, and treasure that God has given us. Although these things aren't inherently spiritual in themselves, how we acquire, develop, and use them are indeed very spiritual. May we live generously as we use these resources for His glory and not our own. If our wealth is merely seen and used as a tool to further God's kingdom, it has no power over us and can be used to restore up real treasure in heaven. How we use these things can be the difference between confusing and turning people off to Christ or allowing Christ to be attractive and appealing to those around us. Remember, James reminds us in verse 12 that those who persevere through trials and temptations will have the crown of life, which is the blessing of trusting God and not turning away from Him when things are difficult or temptation is enticing and appealing. I believe that verse 12 has an immediate and future impact on our salvation with God. The immediate implication is that we are redeemed and called to live a life in the spirit of God with joy, freedom, and victory right now. What we have now is an unparalleled treasure. A life that is dependent on God is a life that he intends for us to live now. This brings many blessings as we live our life on earth this way. The fulfillment and fullness of this abundant life will come later in its future implication. This is our hope in Christ. This is our hope in Jesus for the future. God's powerful blessing comes from choosing to hold fast to the Lord when these things come. In the rest of this section of James chapter 1 and verses 13 to 16, James makes a point to be sure that his readers understand that even though God allows and orchestrates the testing of our faith that may result in suffering and trials, that they are responsible and culpable of their own sinful attitudes and behavior and individuals in the midst of this testing, not God. He says in verse 13, let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by God for god cannot be tempted by evil and he himself tempts no one he continues in verse 14 but each one is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires then when desires conceives it gives birth to sin and when sin is full grown it gives birth to death do not be led astray my dear brothers and sisters so what is the distinction between god's testing and our temptation brought on by our own sinful desires it's key to note two important points here. Point one, because God is holy, he cannot be tempted by evil himself. Therefore, the logical conclusion is that he won't use evil to tempt evil in his creatures. Point two, we have evil in us from our sin nature, which is the thing that causes evil to multiply within us. So let's tackle the first point about God's character and nature concerning evil first. Since God is not evil or sinful, he cannot use evil to cause evil in us. God is inherently good. However, the love of money is inherently evil. We are either drawn to God's inherent goodness, hence we turn away from that which is inherently evil, the love and abuse of wealth in our context, or we give into the temptation and lure of the love of wealth and the natural fruit is evil within us growing and multiplying through our motives, words, and actions. It's a matter of worship. And it's a matter of worship in which one we obey and follow, as we've talked about previously, or the other we obey and follow, each have different outcomes. However, James says that this is a part of testing of our faith and commitment to God. The testing is simply our outward display and true faith in Christ. God doesn't prevent or protect us from being tempted. Rather, he helps and supports and encourages us through our temptations. He does this so that we may grow and mature in who we are in Christ Jesus. Concerning point number two, we have evil in us from our sin nature, which is the thing that causes evil to multiply within us. We love money because of the things we mention it can bring or do for us, which is really an illusion. And when we pursue it for selfish ends, it ends in sin before our God and against others. James warns us that evil is really brought on by our own love for things above God. Specifically, James points out that we are enticed by our own evil desires and that when that desire is conceived or born, it gives way to sinful motivations, words, and actions. Again, it corrupts us from the inside out. The Apostle Paul says in Galatians 6, verse 7, Do not be deceived. God will not be made a fool. For a person will reap what he sows, because the person who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption from the flesh. But the one who sows to the Spirit will reap eternal life from the Spirit. So we must not grow weary in doing good, Paul says, for in due time we will reap if we do not give up. Verse 10, so then whenever we have an opportunity, let us do good to all people and especially to those who belong to the family of faith. Paul's point here is very clear that the reality and fact of the matter is that what we desire and pursue or sow in our flesh for the purposes of our own comfort and satisfaction, this will inevitably come to the result of reaping the fruit of the flesh, which is inherently unrighteous and evil. But if we do so, that which is inherently good in Christ, we will gain or reap the work and result of the Holy Spirit. So let's sow God's goodness in our lives and with others whenever we have opportunity, particularly, again, to the family of faith, the church. Does this sound familiar? Our ability to do good and withstand temptation, testing our true faith in Christ is directly dependent on our understanding of God and our response to his guidance and commands? What do we pursue that causes us to do evil or act selfishly, causing us to dishonor God and hurt others in the process? Wealth? Comfort? Security? Entitlement? Pleasure? Ease? Convenience? May we identify these things in our own lives and bring them before God, confessing and repenting and asking God, for his divine help. Thank you for listening to the Emmaus Radio Ministry Podcast. This ministry is possible because of the generous contributions from our partners around the world. For more information about partnering with us, please visit emmaus.edu slash partner.